Thank you to those um, who attended to her as well. Um, it's awesome to have people who are willing to jump into action with um, what they've been gifted with uh, to tend to others. And so, truly wonderful. <clears throat> and uh, in our local fire department, um, love them. They, as they came out and checked her out and um, all, everything looks well. Just going to go see your doctor, right? All right. <laughs> All right. Well, um, let's open up our Bibles to 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4. And as you open your Bibles to um, 1 John chapter 4, uh, so last night as we broke the fast, uh, and I, I only ate, and I know some of you as well that broke the fast, you only ate a little bit, and you felt like you had eaten like a four-course, five-course meal, right? And, um, and, and it, was, it felt like a lot, but it was enough. And uh, <clears throat> so with that, I was reminded of how it was that the, um, the army of Israel, there were times when they would go days, you know, they would go for extended period of times just engaging in warfare. And... Um, and you don't realize that when, when you're in battle, it's not like you, it's like, oh, we need to stop because um, we have breakfast. Um, and, oh, it's noon. We got to stop for lunch as well and then have dinner. No, you just, you just go and go and go. And I was reminded how um, the army of Israel at one point... That's what she didn't want, but yeah. <laughs> um, no. But there, there's a point. There was a point where they um, were able to uh, get some sustenance. And just a little bit of honey was enough um, for their eyes to to have light in them, and for them to regain their strength. And uh, and so the Lord gave me this overwhelming um, just wellness, you know, to. Uh, to me personally, and, um, and he decided to wake me up at three in the morning. <laughs> so I realized, okay, well, I guess whatever hours I had, which weren't much, were enough, and I got to spend um, several hours this morning with him, just, just enjoying some fellowship with him, and uh, oh, that he would do that uh, with each and every one of us, as we uh, understand that he is our provider, he's the one that... Um, provides everything for us, and he is our strength, and uh, the joy of the Lord is our strength. Man will, shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God, and so we ought to hunger for him, right? And I pray that that's indeed the way that we have come this morning, hungering for him as, uh, in his, as his word is what sustains us and builds us up and gives us everything that we need. So let's begin by Reading in 1 John chapter 4, verse 7. It says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, 
that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God if we love one another. God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. Heavenly Father, we ask that you would speak to us this morning. Lord, minister to us as only you can. Lord, help us to understand that the love that you have demonstrated to us, Lord, should be a, uh, Lord, a motivation, the very reason <clears throat> for why we have a desire to bless you, love you, and love on others. And so, Father, we ask again that you would have your way with us this morning. Give us understanding of your word. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, we begin this morning acknowledging the first four words that we read. Beloved, let us love. This reminds us that we are commanded to love. And those who are commanded to love are themselves beloved, loved by God, not because you deserve it. You know, that's one thing that we ought to really clearly understand, that we are not worthy of God's love. In and of ourselves, we have absolutely no worth. In fact, the Bible says, none is righteous, no, not one. Our righteousness, in fact, our righteousness is like dirty garments. The only reason why the Father looks upon us and sees righteousness is because of the righteousness in Christ. In fact, in and of ourselves, what we deserve is eternal condemnation. So the only thing that's of worth, any worth, is that the Lord abides in us. So we don't deserve it. But it's because of God's grace and mercy, his perfect love. And being born of God is tied to that quality which most distinguishes who God is and what he does. Love. And for believers, we love because he first loved us. 1 John 4.19 And it is a command from our Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus said, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. John 13, verses 34 and 35. To command to love the church is what we see here. This is a command. This is not a suggestion. This is not a wishful thinking, a suggestion. It is a command for each and every one of us, the church, the bride of Christ. You see here, John writes a double command as what we've learned in 1 John chapter 3, verse 23. And this is his commandment that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, number one. Number two that from that we love one another just as he commanded us. Now this is referring to God's command of 
community love, in the fellowship of the saints, the church body. And as we profess to believe in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, so we ought to love one another. We learn that keeping that command is possible. Something that we ought to keep in mind, consider always. When we're kind of filled with pride or have a wall that we have built up ourselves, we need to understand, listen, we have learned that keeping that command is possible because the one who gave the command also gave us his spirit. With man, all things may seem there's things that are impossible for us. But with God, all things are possible. John went on in verses 4, 1 through 6 to point out how God's spirit can be discerned and now returns to the command of community love within the fellowship of the saints beginning here in verse 7. Now this is actually the third and most profound coverage of the subject of love in this letter. This portion of 1 John chapter 4 and 1 Corinthians chapter 13 are regarded as the New Testament's most heart-rending testimonies to the true nature of God's love. Both passages give us the expression to truth, and I love this, in simple language. In language that we can understand. Very clear, no complicated explanation. Just as God has acted on his love toward us, so he has commanded us to act on our love toward him and toward each other. Just as he has loved us, so we ought to love because he is love. Now, we need to understand also that love is not defined by the world. Love is not defined by an individual outside and perhaps different from how it is that the Lord defines love within the pages of Scripture. Love in the Bible is defined as being kind and generous, tender and compassionate, true, friendly, and self-sacrificing, hospitable. In fact, Galatians 5, through 23 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love. From that comes joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. You see, love, as we abide in Christ, defines the true believer. In 1 John chapter 2, verses 9 through 11, it is written, Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going, because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And John writes in 1 John chapter 3, verses 10 and 11, By this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. May we, may you, know that you are God's beloved. That is something that we need to come to understand, receive, and stand in. 
and show, therefore, because of that, that we love Jesus, we are willing to keep his commandments and follow through with loving one another, expressing that love for one another. So again, verse 7 and 8, we are, first of all, commanded to love. Verse 7 once more says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. Beloved, this, this word is not just a, a term of endearment. But as the Lord is communicating that to his people, that word means those who are loved. And that word loved is a word that describes God's love for us. It's agape love. Those who are loved by God, having received God's love by his grace through faith in Jesus Christ, are to live in light of it. This command to love one another is not an action taken, uh, we need to understand, to earn or win God's love. Sometimes we, uh, I don't know, we get into that mentality, that thought that perhaps if I do more, if I'm better, if I do good, I will gain more of God's love. You cannot be loved by God any more than he already loves you. We already have his love. And because of that, we ought to know how to love according to his word. Oh, if we would just grasp that as, as a people. Because what happens is if when we forget that God loves us with a perfect and eternal love, then we become to, we, we start to become just self-centered, like, woe is me, Right? Eeyore. <laughs> the child of God should never really allow themselves to get the, into that place. I've already pointed out that this is the third time that John addresses how love among the brethren proves that we belong to Jesus. We've, we've already gone over that. 1 John chapter 2, verses 9 through 11, we've gone through that. 1 John chapter 3, verses 10 through 18, we've gone through those portions of Scripture. The love that we have for one another is so critical to the wellness of the body of Christ. This is the local church is what this is referring to. In overall, the general body of Christ but how much more important it is to demonstrate that love, that brotherly love towards one another, proving that we belong to him and proving that we love him. It glorifies him. It blesses him. And so because this is the third time that John addresses how love among the brethren proves that we belong to Jesus and is a great testimony and a witness that we love him, he emphasizes that this is a powerful testimony of genuine fellowship in Jesus Christ. It's powerful. When Jesus said, by this all people will know that you are my disciples, 
if you have love for one another, know that this assembling of the saints is powerful for someone who would simply walk through those doors and see how it is that we interact. Oh, the things that they see should be glorifying to the Lord. John writes, whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. This is all evidence within our own hearts. Uh, something that for us, we can look to and say, I have a new desire for my brothers and sisters in Christ. This is something only that the Lord could have given to me. A believer in Jesus Christ has been forgiven of their sins. We know that to be true, right? But listen, you who are forgiven of your sins, having been born again, you are also new creatures in Christ. Behold, the new has come. The old, well, that has been done away with. Reckon the old man dead is what we ought to do. Understand knowing that we have been given a whole new heart. Not anticipating his wrath, but knowing his grace, you are free to abide in God's love. Oh, how, how freeing that is. We no longer have to wonder about what comes after death, what the purpose of life is. I need to figure myself out. What is my purpose in life? You know what your purpose in life is? It's to glorify the Lord to walk in his ways, to bless him. Therefore, anyone who does not love does not know God, is what John writes. The person who doesn't love, this is the contrast that we see here, shows that they really haven't experienced the love of God. You know, to know God is actually, as we read here, it is, um, what this is, what this means is that there is an experience of God, experiencing his love, and therefore we love. It's not just knowing about God's love, it's knowing God's love because we have received it ourselves. You see, God is love. It is, as I had said earlier, a sacrificial love that gives without demanding something in return, it is a love that is long-suffering, compassionate, kind, gentle. God acts in that love because it is who he is. But I want to point out something very important. Because we hear that often, right? We, we hear people when they talk about love, they, they just say, well, God is love. God is love. Well, can we identify exactly what that means and what you mean by that? Because God is love, but God is also spirit. According to John chapter 4, verse 24, God is light. According to 1 John chapter 1, verse 5, God is just as a judge is. According to Psalm 7, 11 and 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, God is holy. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 16, and remember that God is a consuming fire, according to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 29. 
God is spirit, therefore walk in the spirit. God is true, there, there, truth, therefore walk in the truth. God is holy, therefore be holy. God is righteous, therefore walk in righteousness. Oh, we ought to reflect who he is. You see, I often hear people talk about how God is love, but dismiss the rest of his character in that moment. Love does not define everything in the character of God. Instead of referring to the holy and righteous and sacrificing love of God, the love that many people are thinking of, as I have heard, the beloved sister that has gone to be with the Lord, Elizabeth Elliot, a namby-pamby type of a love. Anyone know who Elizabeth Elliot is? Yeah. Look her up. You'll be encouraged. Jim Elliot? All right. Oh, she is tough. She is like that, that, uh, that, that woman that is just tough as nails. Uh, Bettina listens to her all the time. She throws her up on YouTube, and, and her messages are running through. <laughs> so it, when I'm around the house and I hear some of the things that uh, she says, I'm like, wow, I have to stop and like, think that. She is tough, man. She just says things plain and simple and how they are. She was not a namby-pamby Christian, she was, she was tough. But this is a sacrificing love, love of God. Not a, have a nice day, I want everyone to be my friend and like me kind of a love. The kind of love that avoids offending anyone, because that's not God. In fact, in fact, he confronts me all the time. He ought to confront you all the time as you open up the word of God and he ministers to you. Because God offends the world and offends those whom he loves when they are opposed to his word or act in opposition to it. No, the kind of love that is experienced from God is a love that transforms the heart and enables the child of God to love because you know, you have, you have experienced the love that we have known by God first. So there is the command to love one another. We also need to, and I love this, how it is that the Apostle John in between these verses gives us verses 9 through 11 to remind us that we are loved by God. Verse 9, as we continue, says, In this the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. John points out in the middle of the command to love to acknowledge the love of God. And what this act of love accomplished, that this may compel us to love as he has loved us. 
Have you said at any point, I want to love like Christ loved us? I hope you desire that. At least get closer to resembling that love that he has demonstrated to us. Because the work of sanctification is is that the Lord is molding and shaping us into the image of a vessel that is fit for God's use. That's what he desires to do with you and I. But to know this ought to compel us to love as he loved us. You see, God revealed his love for us by sending his only begotten son so that we may have eternal life. Think about that. He sent, this is a demonstration of his love. He sent his son so that you may have eternal life. If God had not sent his son, we would not know forgiveness of sins and eternal life in God's presence, but only condemnation and eternity in hell because that's what we deserve. It was the love of the Father to sacrifice His Son so that you may have eternal life through Him. Here's another thing. The Father did not respond to your love for Him and therefore sent His Son. The origin of love is God. He initiated that. He pursues us. Romans 5.8 says, But God shows his love for us, in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You see, we weren't searching for God. We didn't desire him. But God demonstrates his love toward us, in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This was an act of love that he initiated. He is the origin of love. John chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. God loved us by sending His Son, as we read here, to be the propitiation for our sins. What this means is that Jesus' sacrifice satisfied God's wrath toward us as sinners. Jesus was our atoning sacrifice that holds back the wrath of God that would otherwise be directed toward us because of our sin. Without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. There's no forgiveness of sin. Oh, what love has God shown us Father's indescribable gift. What was holding Jesus up on that cross is his love for the Father. Knowing that he was fulfilling the will of the Father as the Father was demonstrating his love toward you and I in that while while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. When Jesus on the cross cried out to Telestai, it meant paid in full. 
paid in full. Jesus pardoned our condemnation and stamped our hearts before the Father with his lifeblood, claiming us as forgiven of all by God's grace. Oh, what a wonderful gift. For that alone we ought to rejoice. It should compel us to love him and to love others, just as he has loved us. In this verse 11 says, Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. God gave his son. God gave us his son. We already went through as to why it is that he gave us his son. The question is, what are you willing to give to demonstrate a heart of gratitude, acknowledging his grace and his love? The love that you have for him. How and what would you give? The Apostle Paul was willing to give his life completely. To live as Christ. Paul's whole purpose for living was to bring glory to the Lord. This at some point with a believer, we ought to grow up to the place, to, to the point to where we understand. Just as the Apostle Paul understood my life, my whole purpose for living is to live for Christ, to glorify Him. And secondly, to die is gain. In that moment, we know, oh, it's not a loss. Oh, we have simply graduated and we are in glory. So what are you willing to give, to demonstrate that heart of gratitude, expressing your love for God as he first loved you. At the same time, we understand that love is not defined by what we do or our love for God, but by his love for us and what he did. Our expression of love for him is simply our reasonable response to the love that he first demonstrated to us. That's all it is. It's a response. Romans 12.1 says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship or your reasonable service. Acknowledging that we are loved by God like this, Again, we ought to be compelled and eager to love like he does. I hope we're, we're getting closer to that place. Each and every day as we draw uh, closer to him, the word tells us as we draw near to him, he will draw near to us. Right? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. That's why it's important for us to get into the word and pay attention not to the knuckleheads that are in the page of the scripture. That is those who are stiff-necked, those who time and time again fell short of the glory of God. But pay attention to God himself throughout the pages of scripture from Genesis to Revelation. And when you do, you'll have that sweet communion with him, that fellowship. You will see him for who he is. And you'll see yourself for who you are as well. And you will be compelled by his love. Thirdly, as we go into verse 12, 
It says, no one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. Grow up and love. Grow up and love. John starts out by pointing out no one has seen the fullness of God. First Timothy chapter 1, verse 17. The Apostle Paul writes to the king of ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. No one has ever seen God, but we know that God abides in us. That's the important thing. We, we can talk about uh, the different um, Christophanies, uh, the times when uh, the Son of God ap- appeared in the Old Testament. We can, we can talk about all of that, but no one has ever seen the fullness of God and lived. So I, I don't want to focus in on that. I want to take a step back and understand Scripture for what we have here. And the point that John is making is that of the subject of love and how it is that we ought to demonstrate our love for God by loving each other in the manner in which he has laid out for us to love each other. Jesus loved doubting Thomas. If you have doubts, well... It's addressed in John chapter 20, verses 24 through 31. It says in John 20, verse 24, it says, Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. This was after the resurrection. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails, and place my finger into the mark of the nails, and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then Jesus said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands, and put your hand and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen me and yet have believed. And then John continues to write after that. In verse 30, he writes, Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Have life in his name. Eternal life. You see, God's love in us and through us is evidence that he indwells us. He is abiding in us and his love is perfected Or in other words, it is matured, it is completed in us. The mature Christian, the mature believer will be distinguished, set apart by his love for God and for others. Without excuses or justifications for why you cannot. 
Oh, there are, there are reasons that we give ourselves why we cannot. But we are called to deny ourselves, pick up our cross, and follow Jesus Christ. Why? Because we, we belong to him. We belong to him. If we live acknowledging God's love toward us, we are to live expressing love toward him and others and let anyone in that's knocking at the door. <laughs> Our awesome little toddlers running around here. No, you, you know what the Lord is, is speaking through this is we need, to, we need to grow up. Church, we need to grow up. Get over ourselves. Get past ourselves. There's a song, <clears throat> I, I, and I've, I've told you before, and it's funny, just this thought comes into my mind uh, because it, it, the song is, it's all about you as if I should do things my way. You alone are God, and what? And I will love you. <laughs> it's all about me, as if I should do things your way. I alone am. Yeah. So it doesn't go, the, the, the second version is the wrong version. We should get over ourselves. Not ask God to align his will with ours, but align our will with his. And prove that we love him. Grow up, get past ourselves. Humble ourselves before the Lord. He is God. He is our Lord. We need to grow up in Christ and love. That is the command. So number one, we are commanded to love. Beloved, let us love one another. John 13, 34 and 35. Again, I remind you of what Jesus said, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Secondly, one, commanded to love. We are commanded to love. Secondly, we're reminded, you are reminded this morning that you are loved by God. Beloved, God demonstrated his love for you by sending his son to pay for your sins by dying on the cross, shedding his blood. So we need to, at some point, perhaps it's this morning, quit moping around thinking you're not loved by God. Cut it out. That's behavior unbecoming of the child of God. Quit allowing undisciplined false thoughts to ruminate in your mind. Because that means that you go by feelings and not reality. As soon as we come across scripture that reminds us, oh, beloved, I'm loved by God. Absolutely. When we come across scripture that says God demonstrated his love toward you. In that while you were still a sinner, Christ died for you. When we come across a verse that says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. It's a reminder that Jesus was sent and shed his blood to satisfy the wrath of God toward our sins. We ought to, at that very moment, be disciplined in our thoughts 
and acknowledge the fact that God already demonstrated his love toward us. We belong to him. What is there to fear? What is there to be anxious about? Death? That just means you're, you're in glory. Sickness? Oh, he may be doing a work in your heart. And don't think that in the middle of something that you're going through, and I, I, don't, I don't want to sugarcoat things because God allows things for reasons, for multiple reasons. And it could be to bring you to a place of surrendering your heart to him, humbling yourself before him, knowing that he is doing a work in your own heart, perhaps also through you, as a testimony of his strength to others around you. You see, walking with the Lord is, is not an easy path. It's not wide and easy. A bunch of people aren't walking through it. It's narrow. In fact, Jesus warned us, in this, in this world you will... You will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. He said he would be with us all the way to the end of the age. Nehemiah 8.10 tells us that the joy of the Lord is our strength. James 1.2-4, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, but let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing which means we are mature in Christ. We are consistent. In fact, the Apostle Paul said, I have learned to be content in whatever state I am found in. May that be you and I, knowing we're loved by God. Beloved, if God so loved us, grow up in love is a third reminder. The mature believer looks to God for love and how to love. Again, not allowing our circumstances to determine how we love. So let's grow up. Let's be mature in Christ. Let's be selfless. Christ-centered in our thinking. Let us love one another as he has commanded us to love. C.H. Spurgeon said this, quote, Has anybody offended you? Seek reconciliation. Oh, but I am the offended party. So is God. And he went straight away and sought reconciliation. Rather do the same. Oh, but I have been insulted. Just so. So was God. All the wrong was toward him. Yet he sent. Oh, but the party is unworthy. So are you, but God loved you and sent his son. Go right according to that copy, close quote. Beloved, let us love one another because he first loved us. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, that you first loved us. Lord, there is nothing in us that is lovable. There is nothing that we can offer to you. And so we offer ourselves. Oh, I pray and I ask, Lord, if there's anyone here who does not know you, know you as, 
as Savior, as Lord, that today perhaps would be the day of salvation. Lord, I pray that you would convict the heart. Lord, that there would be a complete surrender to your Lordship, knowing that it is only in Christ that salvation is known. There's no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved, only Jesus Christ. So, Father, I pray that if you're convicting a heart or hearts here, that this morning, whether it's a recommitment or a first-time surrender, a yielding of their lives to you, that this moment they would not think that they have another moment, but that at this very moment they would completely surrender their lives to you knowing that you love with an everlasting love, that it is only in Christ that we know the hope of heaven. And I pray, Lord, that you would strengthen your church, Lord, that we would be reminded this morning and we would keep in our minds and in our hearts how to love one another as you have loved us. This is the command that you have given to us. Let us be obedient and demonstrate that love for you. And so I thank you, Lord. Praise you for your faithfulness. We love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.